Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And, and getting it is, uh, is, is pretty hard from the front of the boat. Um, when you're on the back of the boat, you tend to uh, really see the whole, the whole deal and know what's going on. From the front of the boat, if you've only been in the front of the boat, it's kind of, it's kind of tough for these guys, I think. Uh, to, to watch the whole game go down and, mm-hmm. and anticipating things. But I think what it takes is um, getting in the back of the boat. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or You can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. This is Paul Tejera on the Tom Rowland podcast. How you been doing, Paul? 
I've been doing great. Life is wonderful. It is. I just saw you yeah. got your 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 daughter just got married. That's pretty pretty amazing um, day in your life. Got I'm her, not there yet. Her, yeah, got her married off to a great guy, and uh, we're all super happy about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It, time flies, doesn't it, man? I swear. I saw mm-hmm. that. I saw your post that that your daughter just got married, and I was like, man. It seems like yesterday that we were hanging around a Redbone tournament or something like, I mean, before I even thought about having kids and my kids are, I mean, we're, we're empty nesters. I'm not quite to your, to your level yet of having one married off, but both my boys are living in Montana and my daughter's now at college and wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? They're about the same age. Yeah. How old's your daughter? 24. Okay. So my oldest son's 23. And, uh, then I got a 21 and my daughter's 18. So yeah, it happens fast, man. Great. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Did you manage to hold it together on the, I, I I can only imagine, yes, that, that a big, tough guy like you would not be able to hold it together. (laughs) Just like, I'm not going to be able to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I thought I, I thought I was going to, and, um, I was given a speech, um, <laughs> at, at the thing and I was recapping like my life with my daughter and out of nowhere, you know, it just got emotional, you know, Dude. I was like, man, I don't, I didn't know I had that in me, you know? I know. But, but I did, I did. I know it's, um, I don't know. Occasionally when it happened with me, my, when, when we were dropping my daughter off at college and, and the whole time my, my wife is having like you know, she's having a hard time with the thing. I'm having no problem with it. I'm like, yeah, this is just the next thing. She's just going to college. And then all of a sudden we're about to say goodbye to her and holy cow, I didn't know it was in there. And it just came flying out. (laughs) And I looked like every other dad in front of the dorm, leaving my daughter at school for the, for the last time. Exactly. It was terrible, man. Um, but anyway, uh, that's a, that's a big day, man. That's, uh, It, it, our careers have have moved and changed and shifted as as our lives have, and um, I love watching you um, doing all these different things, like especially tennis. What, yeah, what's going on with the tennis? You're obviously very good at it. Well, um, I played a lot in my twenties. That was my sport after college. I played baseball in college, and then um, and then after college, I started. I took up tennis just to have a competition. You know, have some some competition, and um, I played all through my twenties. And I got highly ranked in the state of Florida uh, at that time. And then I, as soon as I moved to the Keys, I dropped the game, and I hadn't played in thirty years. Yeah, really, so, thirty so years. I came, yeah. So I came back to the, I came back to the game after, you know, having a stint with snowboarding and kiteboarding and of course fishing every day. Um, and, and, and some surfing. And then, and then I said, you know what, I need something to fuel me to, to, to really get me working out more and, and doing more again and, uh, have a reason to do it, yeah. you know, so I got into it and, uh, I got into it, uh, right before COVID actually. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, started competing again. And, and then I realized that, Hey, my 63 year old body <laughs> is not, uh, it is in better shape than other guys, 63 year old bodies, because I don't have the injuries, right? All these guys that kept playing all along, they all had knee surgeries and different things. And I just came off a of shoulder surgery. So, um, I kind of know what that's like, but, uh, Luckily it was my left side, so it was good, but, uh, but yeah, it's great to see, you know, uh, 
competing against people my age and then younger. Um, yeah. Is that younger. how it works? What What are the age groups that you compete? In? So, so this past weekend I played in a 55s tournament. So you have to be 55 um, to compete in that one. Um, and, and I won that one, uh, this past week, but then, um, I I'm ranked second in the state in the, um, in the over 18s. Wow. Second in the uh, state in the over 18s. And and that's in a 4.0 division. So it's in a division, um, which isn't the highest 5.0 is the highest and 4.0 is next. Kind of like a handicap in golf kind of, kind of like that, kind of like that. Um, but I figure with my age, it's as, I mean, I'm still competing as 30 year olds. Dude, and stuff, you're so. killing it. That's so it's, amazing. It's, so it's, it's what crazy. was that first day? Like getting back on the court after 30 years? Um, you know, I just started by hitting balls with a couple of guys locally and, um, some, uh, actually some of the fishing guides that, uh, you know, Chuck Shaftstall played mm-hmm. tennis and, um, and then, um, um, a, a couple of the other guides and we just went out and just hit balls and just had, had fun. And I started realizing, man, I haven't really forgotten much, yeah. you know, it's just, just a matter of moving my feet. I forgot how to move my feet. Uh, but that's about it. And, um, and then I just started playing and then, you know, just finding people to compete with. I used to see Todd Bowen. Uh, he used to play, play tennis in Key West. He, he had that van it was a very unique van and he would fish and then he would go straight to the tennis court every day and that van would be there every day man he would play and he he must have been a good player um huh. but he 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 he's got to be getting pretty old these days but um yeah. he 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 had the bug too yeah. but it's something yeah. about that competitive fire you know like like you were an athlete you said you said you played baseball I was a wrestler um and, and I got away from competition for a while. And then the fishing tournaments for me were, were like, wow, like that, like what I was asking about that first day on the court, it, or maybe it's your first tournament or something to where you get that, mm-hmm. you get that fire back. Like, Oh, I've been missing this. And I found yeah. that in the first, um, fishing tournament that I ever was in. And I think it was a, it was a, it was a red bone or slam you know, and, right. and I went there and I had no idea what to expect. And that was in the heyday of the, of those tournaments, you know, there were probably 90 boats in there and, sure, sure. and all these people I'd heard of. And, and, and it was just amazing. I was like, Oh my God, this is like a boat race. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's like homecoming and it's like seeing all my heroes and it's this competition. And it just, I was just like, man, I got to have more. I got to have more of that. Of course, right. where you come from, Isla Mirada is the home of the tournaments. We didn't have very many tournaments in Key West, but back right. then we didn't. But but right. your tournament career, man, that's uh, <laughs> you you had quite a career, man, and, and yeah. probably still are. Do you still fish the tournaments, or do you have no, any desire no, to? I, I I quit fishing tournaments uh, last year. Um, uh, two years ago was my last gold cup and all that stuff. So I kind of I kind of eased away from that because. Um, you know, I moved on to other things and I want some more time and, um, and I'm, you know, heading into my tail, tail end of my career as far as fishing. And, um, and it's fun to, to have a little bit, bit more free time. The, uh, you're, you're moving into the tail end of your career, maybe as far as fishing, but it seems like you have other, th- I mean, you've always had other things going on. 
Like you, yeah. you had had the jig company. You probably still do have the jig company. No, um, no, close that one too. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I have I have a whole bunch of them that you sent me um, that I, I guard with my life. It's like, man, I, I don't let it. I have a special tackle box of the backbone jigs that I don't let anybody. Uh-huh. They, they go. I still got a reserve stock for you. Do you? I got a reserve stock for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, what about that jig company? How did that start for you? You know, it was one of those things where I had a need and, um, and there was nothing out there uh, of what I wanted. And so I decided to design one myself, make the molds. I, I was already tying flies at that point. So tying them was no, no problem. And I started tying some and I showed them to a tackle shop and one of the tackle shops wanted them. So I found a way to mass produce them in Guatemala and that's where my factory was. And we, we just went on from there and it was never a big, a uh, huge money maker or anything because you got to be so big in the lure business in order to make any money. Um, but it definitely satisfied, you know, the need of having good lures to work in the back country and uh, lures that were weedless and work well and, you know, were designed like flies. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were awesome, man. Um, I love those jigs. And then, and then now you're, you're moving into real estate or you have been for quite a while now, right? I've been, I've been for seven years and it's been a real easy, um, move over, over to that because, uh, it's just a, you know, like you, uh, we all have our clients that trust us and follow us. And, um, and then all the fishing guides around here, trust me and know me and know that, you know, I'm not here to take any clients from away from them or anything right. like that, as far, especially as far as fishing. I mean, there's nothing. Um, so uh, it, it's been a real nice, nice move uh, for me. And God, and with this market, it's, you know, a, a really nice move. So yeah, it's, everything's fantastic. worked out super well. There's yeah. so many, there's so many anglers that I can think of over the years that came down, liked it, got the bug and then bought houses. Like that's kind yeah. of a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I gave, gave a lot of that away as you did yeah. uh, for, for many years. And, and then I just decided, you know what, I know this place as well as anyone. Um, so I, I might as well take advantage of that. And you're, you're uh, outside of the contacts, um, your fishing career has, has it helped you um, in other ways in the real estate business? Sure. Sure. I mean, that, that's one of the things, one of the, uh, downfalls of it was that I was a fishing guide. And so I had to kind of prove to people that, Hey, now he's a realtor, you know, also Mm -hmm. because not everybody wants to buy a house from their fishing guide. Right. So, so it's, it's one of those things where I had to make that transition, but I think by now uh, people have realized that, you know, I've closed enough deals and done enough. uh, (laughs) What do you think (laughs) was the hardest part about that? Like convincing um, people that you were serious about it or that you could do it or, or was it something else? Yeah, I think it was, it was that, I think it was that, uh, that I was going to be in that for a while and, and maybe, you know, reputable enough in that field and, and knowledgeable enough actually. And, you know, so it, the first thing I had to do was learn that contract really good. <laughs> I mean, better than the people that have been doing it for 20 years learned it. So um, I wanted to make sure that there was no questions and nothing I couldn't answer, you know, and um you know, it, it comes back to the same old thing. You want to do everything the best that you can. And, um, that's kind of something that you and I have always had in common. <laughs> yeah. Does it feel good to have a little reprieve from the, from the sun? 
Sure, sure. And and it's not much. It's it's uh, to the point now where where at least I can take weekends off, um, you know, and not not worry about fishing weekends. And uh, I fish my my own clientele and uh, fish them, you know, five days a week during the season. And and then the rest of the year, I kind of patch up different things and and make deals and just kind of go with whatever's happening that day. That sounds like the the perfect. Um, I've always thought being a realtor and a fishing guide would be like the perfect mix. I, I even wanted my wife even just to get her real estate license, because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you can't, if you have a hot client that wants to buy a compound in Isla Mirada and I pass them off to a realtor, I don't mm-hmm. get anything from that. But if someone has a real estate license, you're, you could actually just get a commission. And I was, I was trying to convince my wife to take the, take the license because it was happening so frequently that people, my my clients, my customers were coming down and buying houses in Key West that I was like, look, we're losing all this money. You don't even have to sell a house. Just <laughs> give the referral. Just be there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we never, we never made it work, but you know, it's, it's, and it's true. You, you know, they all, all the guys trust you and, and, uh, and they, they're on the boat with you all the time and they're going to ask you anyway. Yeah. They're going to ask you, Hey, what do you think about this house here in Key West? Do you think that street's good? Yeah, what, exactly. You know? And like, let's and get off know, the water a little bit early today. I want you to go check yeah. this place out with me. Like that's exactly. how it went a lot. And I was exactly. like, boy, this and is a nice house. <laughs> that's how, that's how it started with me. And, and now, and now sometimes we come back from a fishing day and the guy says, Hey, what about going by? that that house that you showed me you know and I go, okay take it take the water tour you know you just go right by say this is the place this is why you want this place and not an oceanside place right. or whatever you know right. so uh, it really makes a difference and that's awesome well kudos to you for for doing that and making that move because uh, you know some people don't and and they they don't have much um when they're when they decide that that their career is winding down, right? Like they, yeah. they waited too long and it's like, okay, your career's winding down, but now what? And right. did you, did you right. save the money that you should have saved? And, and you know, it's hard for us. It is hard, <laughs> man, because all good fishing guides are a personalities. They are the mm-hmm. captain. All they, they, we would probably be the worst employees that there would ever be. Right. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? It, like it does, yeah. it's not a recipe for being a great employee to, uh, yeah, to and have it, the background, and especially after doing it a while. Right. Um, <laughs> forget it. You'd be a horrible employee. <laughs> so you got to figure out something that you can do on your own. And, uh, right. and then, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like, like what you were getting to before, like if you're going to do something, then you want to be really good at it. You want to put your heart and soul into it. So it needs to be something that, that you can really get behind. And that's, it's a perfect thing for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, you, you're, you're an interesting dude, man, because when, (laughs) when I first met you, I was, it was in the, you know, those early days of the, of the fishing tournaments. And I was so nervous and I was, and, and those, like the tournaments made me, it gave me a feeling that I wanted again, which was the the feeling of competition. But I would go in and I felt like I was, I, I knew less than anyone there, especially when I would come up to Isla Mirada and I had no idea what I was doing up there. And I was just so nervous. And those, those weekends would be 
just so full of anxiety and and nervousness. But then when it was over, I would look back on it. I was like, that was awesome. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> but leading yeah. up to it, there would be so much. And then I would meet you up there and you just always had this smile on your face. You're, you're just, you, you never seem to let it bother you. And I even remember today going, man, I need to be more like that. Like, how do you get like that? How, <laughs> I mean, is it just because you're 10 years older than me and you had 10 years more experience or, or is that's just you? I think yeah. like, you're just, that's just me. I'm, I'm pretty happy and always smiling and, you know, always see the better side, but you are like that. So th that's not, that's not true. You're, you're always the same and, um, and you're always level, level headed and, well, and I try, to be. So, try to so, be, uh, but inside yeah. sometimes I'm super nervous. <laughs> yeah. But we became friends right away. And I, I knew that uh, from the beginning and it, that, that was one of those connections where I like, you know, we might not ever talk to each other for, for four or five years or whatever it is. And then, and then we can talk to each other like best friends because sure. it's, uh, it's really a, a mutual respect thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I, I, I respected the way that, that you were able to just, man, you just, you just seemed like you were having a lot more fun than I was. And I was like, man, I got to figure out how this is going to be more fun or I'm not going to be able to do it very long, but your, your career, I've got it right here. Oh. You, uh, you've got, um, you're the only one of the few to win all three, right? Here it is. Right. One of the few to win um, all three major tarpon tournaments, the Gold Cup, the Don Holly, two all tackles, spring fly, and you cashed a nice check on that one tournament that they had, the biggest bonefish, $25,000. And then the other thing that I see here is best of the West fly casting competition, which is another thing that we have in common. Freaking weird. You won that one too, huh? <laughs> yeah. In yeah. in Denver. You know why? Oh, cool. Because the air's thin out there, dude. And we're used to casting <laughs> it in a hundred percent humidity. And you go out there and all of a sudden it flies. Right? Yeah. It flies. Yeah, not only that, there's no wind inside the auditorium. I know. They just it, it the trick to that one was um having having enough back cast space because uh, you know, right. some of those they would have you know, stuff behind you. And it was really tough, but I only won one. Uh, I was going up against some pretty tough competition and oh, yeah. Brian O'Keefe. Um, I don't know if he was still doing it when you were doing it, but man, that guy of everyone that I know and have ever seen cast, he is the most beautiful fly caster I've ever seen. Brian O'Keefe, the huh. photographer, a lot of people yeah. know him as a great photographer. They don't know that he is, a really, really, really good fly caster. And he just well, had this that? way and it just looked like he was barely even, he, you know, I'm out there sweating and double hauling <laughs> and like Lefty double said, ripping them. your underwear when you're double hauling and everything. And he would just yeah. stand there and just whoosh. <laughs> that thing would fly. And, you know, the Ray Jeff brothers were there and all those guys. And, um, but well, anyway. that the year, the year I won, was the year that Steve Ray Jeff didn't make it to the tournament mm -hmm. and Better capitalize on that one. <laughs> yeah. But, but that was it. That was my only year ever there. And, and the funny part about the whole thing was that all the other guys were like licking their chops because Steve Ray Jeff wasn't mm -hmm. there. And it's like, Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's my turn to win this thing. And here comes Paul Tejera from Isla Mirada. They didn't know from, from Adam. Guy's probably you know, never held a five weight in his life. Never. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never even casted a five weight before and, um, and, and beat those guys. So it was kind of a fun deal. Yeah. You do a lot of, of casting instruction 
nowadays, right? Like you're, you're still working yep. with Sandy in his school or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now the, uh, uh, like the, the main core of guys is, uh, is Sandy Moret and Chico, of course. Um, Steve Huff is usually around, but sometimes not as much now. Um, and then Rob Fordyce and I. That's cool. So that's that's kind of like the main core. Now Chico, he's another one that has a a beautiful cast. Beautiful style. dude, beautiful. slippery as butter. He just mm-hmm. he just throws it out there. It looks like he's not. He 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 really looks like he's not working very hard at it. That's what you always say about anybody that's good at anything. Is it doesn't look like they're working very hard. Exactly. And he is. He just ha- he has that loop that kind of it it kind of like drops underneath and and it just. It's, it's, I, I've figured out a way to do it. Like after I saw him cast, I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And so I figured out how to do it and it's not my casting style, but I can, I can emulate his cast and make it, make it do that. But he is, he is a beautiful fly caster. Oh, he is. I still record him. Uh, almost every fly, um, fly school that we do, I still record them and, and I, I show them, I said, man, you look so good. So smooth Rico Suave, you know, and, uh, he's just a cool dude all the way around. Yeah, he is. Sure. He is. I, I, he was with, uh, Scott fly rods back in the early days and, and I had an opportunity to, to fish with him a few times and, and, uh, man, he didn't disappoint. I was, I was like, you know, you get one of those guys on the boat, right. And you're just kind of like what is this going to be like? Like, is this, Mm -hmm. you know, I've read this guy's books. I've seen his videos. Like, is he going to disappoint? Is he going to be better than I thought he was? And, and a guy like Chico, he gets up there and you're just like, yep, he's just as good as I thought he was going to (laughs) be. Absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, Moose, that's my dog Moose. Um, what do you think, like you've had the opportunity to fish with so many different anglers and customers and, and you know, the who's who, what do you think, what do you think as far as an angler goes, what does it take to be like somebody that when, when they walk away, the guide's like, that's one of the best guys I've ever fished with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, first person that comes to mind is Andy mill. You know, he just, uh, he gets it, you know, and, and, and getting it is, uh, is, is pretty hard from the front of the boat. Um, when you're on the back of the boat, you tend to, uh, really see the whole, the whole deal and know what's going on from the front of the boat. If you've only been in the front of the boat, it's kind of, it's kind of tough for these guys, I think, uh, to, to watch the whole game go down and, Mm -hmm. and anticipating things. But I think what it takes is, um, getting in the back of the boat. That's Uh, really interesting perspective. And honestly, I haven't heard many people say that before, but that is very true. Like some of the best anglers that I know are guides. They may not be the best casters that I have, but they know how to put it where, where it belongs. And then you take Mm -hmm. like the best tarpon anglers that everybody gives credit to Andy Mills, one of the very best of all time. Fitz Coker is another one, one of the very best of all time. He spent plenty of time on the back of the boat taking, even if it's just taking friends fishing, right? It's like you, you understand, okay, this boat is not going to stop on a dime. Like I think, like I want it to, or we need it to. So I'm going to need to make this cast sooner because we're going to drift to a stop or the guy's going to do his best to stop the boat, but there's still going to be some forward motion. So you better make that cast faster, but it's also about like, like being able to see the fish like really well. That's what I think is like with, with so many of the best anglers that I've had, 
It's like you point out a fish and they're like, oh yeah, that's it. It's so fast. You're like, no, no, but point your rod, like make sure that are you looking at what I'm looking at? Because you said it like that. And they're like, yeah, right there. And you're like, right there at like 140 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. That's it. That's it. Right there. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a great day. Right, <laughs> this, you're guy right. exactly. sees, this guy can see, right? Exactly. What else does, does an angler like Andy Mill do that other anglers don't do or have a difficult time doing? I think that I, I think that he just gets entrenched in it. You know, again, top athlete, you know, world-class right. athlete. He knows how to, how to study and, and work towards getting better and to do things. You know, he's, he's been on the front of the boat. He's been on the back of the boat. He's, he kind of, uh, analyzes things, thinks about it. Um, you know, he, he that's it becomes his job. It becomes his life, you know, for a guy like that. So, so when somebody like that comes around, you know, it's, it's special and different, but there's plenty of anglers that have gotten there, um, to a really high level just by, um, just by really trying to learn the whole thing, not only, not only just how to cast, but, but learning spots and, you know, the spots that the, that the guides take them to, uh, whoever their guide may be, you know, fish is the same terrain, uh, over and over again, and they get to see it. They, they would know, you know, when the tide's coming in or out or, uh, or which direction the fish are going to come in and stuff. They don't need to be told all the time. And, and when they actually really study it, like a guide studies it, then, then that's when they get to the next level, you know? And, right. um, and most of it is the anticipation, like, you know, you know, anticipation of a fish that's coming across and where the fly needs to be. And all that, that whole game is, is one of those things that you just don't, you just don't make it up. You know, you can't buy it. Right. You just, you, you got to see it. Do you think it's important to, to um, do other types of fishing or fish with other guides in other areas or can somebody, can somebody make it like starting with one guide and staying with that guide the whole time? Depends on the guide. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know, Richard Black, I, I he fishes everywhere. So if, he, if you're fishing with somebody like that, yeah, he's going to put you in all of these different positions. But, you know, I would, I would exactly. definitely have anglers that would fish with me and then they would go and they would experience these different things with other guides and they yes. would come back and they would tell me these stories and then we could like apply mm -hmm. it. Then I would see him apply what he had learned somewhere else to this right. situation. And I'm like, wow. That yeah. is pretty good. <laughs> well, that's good. You, you know, especially if they're fishing with really good guides in different places, you know, that, that are helpful and can help them. You know, we tell, we tell the guys at the fly school all the time, everybody that, that comes out of that fly school is because we set them up with guides for a couple of days after the school and, and they're pretty much newbies. They, they've never done it before. And we tell them, I said, you know, if it doesn't click with your guide, switch guides, try another guide because it's got to click. It's mm -hmm. got to be a, a good connection there where you're going to learn from this guy. It's somebody that's willing to teach you and, and show you things because, you know, it'll, it'll just um, uh, cut the, the curve down, you know, the learning curve. Right. So that clicking, not only does that mean that you're having fun, but right. you're learning and you're catching fish and, and, right. It, it, do you think that it's real obvious to somebody that is, is just getting into the sport and like what clicking, no. what if they haven't fished with many guides? Like, do how do you know that you're clicking with your guide? 
Yeah, no, it's not obvious sometimes. <laughs> and yeah, it's not obvious. But but what we what we try to tell them is that um, uh, that you've got to see the guy making an effort, an, an effort to, you know, it might not be a day where you're seeing a lot of fish, but he's making that effort. He's making moves. He's thinking you can tell when a guide's thinking you can tell when a guide is, you know, Oh man, a little stumped. Sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. we get stumped all the time and it's like, well, God, I got to make this move. And sometimes you'll run 10 miles to go to a, to different water. Um, that kind of stuff that they're willing to do that and, and not camping you out on a spot where there's no fish and, and you're just sitting there and, and he's just wasting time, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. There's also a, a bit of entertainment and, you know, yes. Simon Becker used to tell me that there was a, there was a, 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 we would see certain guides that would scream at their customers. You know, they yeah. would just scream at them like the old Florida yeah. keys, like, like <laughs> the, 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 the nightmare guide, right. And he's just screaming and you can hear him from, from 200 yards away. Oh, you dumbass! You shouldn't have done that. And I would come home, come back and I'd be like, man, I can't believe what I just saw or heard today. And he's like, well, That's right. there is a guide for every client and there is a client for every guide. And I was like, you mean some people like that? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> some people like it. They, they give each other a hard time. They ribbon each other. They're, they're poking fun at each other, yelling at each other. And I was mm. like, man, that sounds terrible to me. And he's like, yeah. well, that sounds terrible to me too. But some people like it. Like that guy you're talking about, he's booked all the time. Right. So, right. I mean, you right. can find like some guys that are really hard on their clients, but their clients kind of like that. Right. Yeah, not all of exactly. them, oh, not right. all, but they develop this right. clientele of like, oh, that's kind of how it is. You get out here, it he gives you a hard time. He calls you a dumbass. <laughs> right, right, Exactly. <laughs> but but there is there is um, a little bit of of entertainment kind of that that goes into some people like they need a little more joke telling. They need a little more storytelling. They need a little more kind of attention. And other people find that horribly um, annoying. That, yeah. that the guide yeah. won't shut up. Yeah. How do you know, how do you know what, which one of those people to be? Like when you, when you were, when you were a young guide, you're going out with I've somebody. never been that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been that guy. I've always been like real easy going. And, um, you know, now, now the truth is truth be told, I can't really say that because some of my guys, they know I abuse the hell out of them, but <laughs> these are guys, these are guys I've had in the boat for 20 years. Right. So so after, after a while, you start getting this real comfort level with your guys and you can tell them, Hey, you screwed up, man. You know, this is, that wasn't, that wasn't any good. Let's not, let's not do that again. Or, or do you really expect that fish to eat that fly? Yeah. You know, that's, that's always a great question to, to ask, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, I start off super, I'm very laid back with everybody. I don't really get into anything. Yeah. There's a time when you can get too comfortable. Like the, the yeah. 20 year yes. relationships, you know, <laughs> tend to, sometimes you see it happen with, with certain guides and certain anglers and some of, sometimes they've, they've done great in the tournament. Sometimes they're just together all the time. And then, then they just kind of have a breakup, you know, like they have a divorce. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah. happens. And sometimes they, <laughs> sometimes the, the guide refers to it as, as I had to fire him. Like, I had to mm -hmm. fire my client. Right. Right. But right. that's, um, that's, that, I don't know. That's a, that's a funny situation to be in, especially as a young man, like you're out there, you're fishing with these CEOs of these companies and you're kind of doing this because you love what you're doing. You love it. But when this guy comes around, you don't love it. 
Like, and you got all these other people that are calling you and you got this person that you fished with last time and he's last week. And he's like, man, if that other week ever opens up, let count me in. And you're like, man, you know what? Honestly, I would be having a much better time with that other guy. And I think this guy would be having a much better time with somebody else. And so there's that difficult conversation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had, I've had that three times in my life. Tell me about it. Oh God. Oh, I had a guy that, um, oh, he's, he was fantastic in his own way. I, I laugh about it right now, but he, he had a very successful business up North and, and came down and we were fishing together and he had already fished with seven of my good friends. Okay. Seven other guides, legit top notch guides that, that knew their stuff. And, um, and so I kind of knew that I was getting into something that, you know, he had stopped fishing with each one of them. Mm. So we got in the boat and we fished together and we fished for two or three years. And he was difficult, you know, difficult to handle. And, and like he, he would make a cast and I would go, Oh, you know, just, just a sound. Oh, like that wasn't the right cast. And, and he kind of picked up on that, but when he made a good cast, I'd say, perfect work that you know? And, and so what he would do is that he was getting annoyed by me in the back of the boat going, Oh, so every time he would make a cast and it would land, as soon as the fly would land, he'd say, perfect. (laughs) So, so he got you. So he got back at me for that one. And, and, and so, um, so at the end of it all, you know, I kind of, I kind of said to him, Oh no, actually he broke up with me. So, so he actually said to me, he said, Hey, I think our, I think our relationship has, has, uh, uh, gone a little sour here and, uh, you know, and this, and, that. and I go, you know what? The only regret I have is that I didn't say it first, <laughs> you know, and that's it. <laughs> Let him go on his way. And he went on to the next guide and the next guide and the next guide, and then finally retired from the sport. So, yeah. um, yeah, he just didn't get along too well. Well, you know, he, he yeah. probably, just like we're saying, you know, fishing guides that are trying to get out of the fishing guide business are going to make horrible employees. He's probably yeah. an A-level, super mm-hmm. A personality that dominates his industry and dominates his world. And he comes right. in and somebody's telling him what to do and he doesn't really like it. Right, right, right. You know? and, and somebody's critiquing him. Right. And, so, yeah. and they're right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely what are the other absolutely. two times that you've had to have that conversation oh uh, they weren't they weren't as spectacular as that one <laughs> they were they were they didn't last very long in the boat so it was it was kind of meaningless you know they'd come on and you could tell that you didn't click yeah and and so once that click wasn't there you're kind of like yeah you know this is an important time of year for me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bother with this anymore so i just let let it go yeah that, uh, that's not a, that, that, that's a very difficult thing for, for a young man. And I certainly did it the wrong way a couple of times and then maybe the right way a couple of times. And then, then other times it just kind of fizzles out, you know, but, but when you find yeah. the right one though, that's, Uh-oh. that's the beauty of the whole yeah. deal. Yeah. Like when you find yeah. that one guy or, mm-hmm. or a bunch of them, I mean, there could be a whole bunch of them. And then you just start yeah. to kind of, um, it's almost like culling in a tournament. Like, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking these days and then you're <laughs> sliding like this culling. guy into this one and then you're, you, you just keep going. And, um, yeah. you know, eventually you've only got like four or five customers all year long. Exactly. If you exactly. do it right. 
Yeah, I've got 15 good ones right now and um and they're solid and they 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 fill me up the entire year so it's it's a good uh it's a good deal right now and it's that same way, you know, they're the guys that, you know, they don't they don't care what you do when you get on the boat. It's like you go do what you think is going to be good. Yeah. And that's a great position to be in to where they know what they're getting. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to offer and everybody's on the same page like look we're going to go out there. He's going to give it everything he's got. And right. I'm going to give it everything I got. And if it doesn't happen, right. it doesn't happen. Like, right. You know, that's the way that's to all go. you can do. Cause sometimes it doesn't do. happen. A lot yep. of times it doesn't happen. That's true. But for the, for the people that are coming into the sport now with, with Instagram and, and social media, it doesn't appear like it ever doesn't happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> you know what Isn't I mean? Like I follow yeah. a, a thousand people or more and mo- most uh-huh. of them are in the, in the fishing world in, in some way, shape or form. And it just looks like everybody's having the best day ever, <laughs> every day, <laughs> every day, yeah, <laughs> every yeah. day. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, like social media has certainly changed so much of, of what we do, but if you like in the, in your, in the span of your career, whether it's social media or another innovation, what do you think has changed fishing the most? The GPS. Yeah. And then, and then social media, but the GPS first, Mm -hmm. for sure. When, when, when I was starting and certainly when you were starting your 10, so you're 63. Is that what you said? 63. You don't look 63. You're looking good. Um, I'm 53. And when both of us started, the the idea of a gps with a map on it was the military didn't even have that like right. that was that was way right. out there i remember the first gps that i got um it was a lorance and i think it was called an lms 350a and it was the shit right and right. It, it, and all it could do was have a blank screen with a dot on it. And you had like four characters that you could put on that. So you would put like <laughs> TP1, <laughs> TP2, <laughs> like tarp BN1. Yeah. And, and there was yeah, no yeah. base map at all. And so you right. would be like, oh, that, that doesn't look like it's very far away. There was no navigate to. There was just kind of like all of a sudden you just kind of got there. So you would navigate normally. But then you would look down and you're like, oh, it looks like it's about 100 feet ahead or, you know, 100 yards ahead or whatever. It certainly wasn't accurate to 100 feet. But, yeah, that uh, (laughs) it would also get you in big trouble because it would you would look like it was just right over there and you'd go. And if you were looking at the thing, it'd run you straight aground. Right. You couldn't you couldn't possibly do that. But it has um, it has changed a lot with the uh, with the advent of the GPS, especially for people that are are just like learning right now to, oh, yeah. to, to, because they're going only on the GPS. Right. And it's right. much, right. much easier as opposed oh, to navigating by sure. the, by the stars at night. Sure. Right. Sure. It used to be a big deal, you know, and now, now people are in, well, for instance, you know, one of the first areas that I learned growing up was Hell's Bay and, you know, in Whitewater Bay. That was the Hell's first Bay. area you learned? That was one of the first areas. Damn. You know? um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fordyce and I as kids were back there uh, playing around. We had aerial photos that some dude shot from a, from a plane. Um, Those were and like we had gold, these aerial photos and, and we were polling every inch of that area. 
And now people are going with their GPSs full throttle through all that stuff, you know, in, in channels before we didn't have to worry because no, you wouldn't even hear an engine. And when you did, you kind of ducked because somebody might be coming by, you know, but now you can't even set up anywhere where there's a Creek because they could run right through you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just having the GPS to know how to get out. Right. It's not, it's not getting in. Getting in's no problem. It's knowing how to get out. So you can certainly um, get in. Getting out is the, is the problem. I remember the first aerial photo I saw of, of a place like that. And those aerial photos were gold. Like back in the day, there would be like one, or it would be hanging on the shop, you know, the fly shop wall or something of the Marquesas and just studying that thing. Like, Oh my God, what if you could see like this? And I remember looking at an area like Hell's Bay and, and, tracing with my finger. I was like, if you were on the other side of this island, how long would it take to get to the other side of the island? And I'm tracing, I'm tracing this and I'm like, oh my God, that's like a day to get 200 feet on the other side. Like, and and that's how you get lost in there. Like, oh my God, you take a wrong turn and it takes you back and you're like, I just need to be just right over there. (laughs) But, But it's hard to get there, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, hard to get true. there. That's true. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. there's, there've been a lot of changes. Um, do you think that the changes are, are beneficial? I mean, like one of the questions I had for you is that you've been at this for so long that, that, um, you hear people talk about the good old days. You hear people talk about how good it used to be. And then, yeah. you know, you, you talk to, you know, people like, I don't know, Richard Black or something. And he's like, right. Killing it. Right. It's like, right. What do you think about it was better when you started or it was better 20 years ago or, or mm-hmm. than it is today? Like what, what do you, what do you make of that? I, uh, you know, there are certain cases where of course the downtown bonefish in Isla Mirada, yeah. you know, that's, that's something that that was our fallback. Yeah. In fact, I think I started as a bonefish guide and became a tarpon guide kind of. <laughs> And, um, and because of that change in the, in the fishing, but, uh, you know, that kind, that kind of thing does go. And that, that was having to do with cold fronts and, mm-hmm. and, and different factors, maybe water quality stuff. But, um, but right now, um, fishing in the back country is almost as good as it was when I was young. Um, the snook and red fishing is fabulous. There's more snook now than, I, I grew up with, there was more snook again back, uh, in 2010 before that freeze. So, uh, now it, now they've come back. It's, it's better again. So that fishery is better. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, Richard guys like Richard are capitalizing on. And of course he's the kind of guy, he does both things. So he goes offshore and kills it out there and just kills it in the back too. And there's a couple of guys like that. Um, but, I, you know, the, the good old days. Yeah. The, the good old days had less boats mm-hmm. and that's basically it. You know, I think, I think if you, if you were to cut the number of boats down, the good old days would be right back again. Well, what about so, COVID? What about the year of COVID? What did you think that about was, that? That did it. That was it. That was, that was a pure the good example old days. of it. Yeah. That was a pure example of it. I mean, we were by ourselves. 
you know, uh, Brewer and I would go fishing and, you know, me and a couple of the other guides would go fishing. That's all we were doing. And then we were kind of existing off the water. There was a time where Publix didn't have any meat or any fish or anything like that. And we, uh, and, and we went out and lobstered and spearfished and, you know, we survived off the, off the water, which was pretty cool to, to do that. Do you think that, um, while that was going on that you have the, the foresight to be like, this is the good old days. Like, man, why are mm-hmm. we not just enjoying this? Because there was so much apprehension and anxiety about COVID and, you know, are the anglers going to come back? Are they going to close the keys? Are they like, it, it would be very easy to just start to subsist off the water and not realize like, damn, this is fun. Like, this is what we used to do. Like, this is Absolutely. awesome. Like, did, did you have that kind of, were, were you having fun doing it or were you kind of for sure? No, I was having absolute fun, no pressure about COVID, not thinking about a thing. Um, just thinking, man, the world up there is crazy, you know, and here we got a little slice of paradise, you know, where, uh, we're kind of, uh, for a while there, we were immune to everything. You know, we were just on our own. There was no COVID here. It was fantastic. It was, um, and, and everybody was just, coexisting peacefully and nice. And then what happened? Then, then yeah, also well, then they, they opened the doors and they <laughs> screwed everything up again. You know, it's interesting where, where you had, you had so many different opinions about what, what should happen there. Like you have the people that are, that are independently wealthy or retired and they're like, no man, close it down. Keep it shut. Keep it shut tight. We don't want anybody here. Don't let the cruise ships in. Don't let anybody in. Keep the road closed. Everything, right? And then you have people that are subsisting on tourism, and they're like, "No, yeah. but we gotta open it up." Like you guys are fine, but we're dying over here. Like, yeah, this is yeah. tough. That was a yeah. tough situation for for yeah. the keys, but I don't know. It seemed like it all we all worked out um, with that. So. What, uh, what do you think about, um, I don't know, just, just, uh, I, I got off track there for a second talking about COVID because I, <laughs> I didn't expect to talk about that. Um, I, I want to brag on you for a minute. What? I saw a video that you did. Um, oh, I think about a month ago and you were showing, um, a, a flexibility deal that you're doing yeah. where you're on, where you're on your knees and you're going back on your back. Uh-huh. I think that was, that was cool as hell. That's the, the, yeah. uh, lay back, lie back quad stretch. Um, there you go. I have, uh, I, I started that because, you know, probably just like you, the, mm-hmm. the time on the boat and all of the, the, the wear and tear on the body of, of guiding, man, I started getting tighter and tighter and tighter and I was lifting weights and, you know, running and rowing and doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but I'm feeling tighter and tighter and tighter. And then I hurt my back, um, last Christmas, which I have had a on and off relationship with, with back injuries. Probably you mm-hmm. have to most fishing guides yeah, a little bit. do every now and then you tweak something, you know, you're throwing the cast net, you're lifting an anchor, you're putting the trailer on the, on the truck, something happens, lifting a heavy cooler. And all of a sudden, pow, you're like, Oh, that does not feel good. And it's blowing 20 tomorrow. And guess what? You're going, 
right? right. You're going. Right. You can't. Yeah. Or, or there's a tournament. Yeah. Something. You're going, and I've you're going to go missed, hurt. I've never missed a day. No, so. man. You're going hurt. You're going sick. You're going whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just decided I'm going to. I had dabbled in flexibility, like I had tried some yoga before. Mm-hmm. But nothing really stuck for me until I found this this one guy, Joe Hippensteel. And he's got a very simple program. And like all of his, it doesn't have any kind of crazy uh, names for his thing. He calls it like the lie back quad stretch. Like right. you have the, you have the uh, cross leg head on the floor. Like that's, that's another one. Like everything he right. says is just like, no, it's, there's no reason to call yeah, it like the dancing, <laughs> dancing moon wolf dance. Uh, it's, it's like just the simplest thing. So mm-hmm. that particular one, man, I worked on that for six months before. I mean, I didn't have seven pillows behind my back and a pillow under my knees and I just couldn't get in that position. And then I just kept doing right. it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And just like he said, you would do two minutes on one minute off, two minutes on one minute off. And then mm-hmm. one day I just kind of laid back, but my knees were way off the ground. And I was like, I can't believe I'm even in this position. And when I finished that, I walked around and I was like, wow, I'm walking better. I'm sitting better. My back doesn't yep. hurt. And yep. so I just kept, and, and those things just made me spend more and more time on it. And at the first part, I was having to spend like two hours a day stretching. But the reason that I did that was because when I would finish, I felt so much better. Yeah. Right. Like it yeah. was, it was very painful. <laughs> oh, no, I can imagine. I, I've tried it since I saw your video and yeah. I get about, uh, Maybe if that's a clock, maybe two o'clock. Yeah. Well, here's the thing to do about it though. If, if that's, if, if you are really tight in that position, the, what, what Joe Hippensteel says, which is absolutely the case is don't go past a seven in pain ever, because what happens is your everything locks up. Your brain's like, no, we can't do that. And right. so it locks right. up and you're not going to get any more flexible there. So that's where you need all the pillows behind you or the couch or something to where you're getting a good stretch, but you're not hurting yourself. Right. And so then right. you go one pillow less and then one pillow less and you do it over time to where he, he calls it a seven in pain to where, you know, I don't know what that would be for everyone, but you know, you're just kind of gradually mm-hmm. doing it, but you have to do it in a way to where, your muscles are relaxed while you're stretching. Right. And that's what I was doing wrong for a lot of, a lot of years is I would just, you know, try to do one of these positions. And I was so tight that, that your brain is like, Nope, don't go any further than that. Cause that's going to pop something. And Mm -hmm. you know, it locks up. Whereas if you can just, just go almost to that place where your leg is straight and you're stretching, but you're not going down very far. That's okay. You don't have to. Next week will go a little further and a little further and a little further and a little further until all of a sudden you regain this mobility that you had as a young man. And that is what he told me right away. He's like, this is like the fountain of youth. He said, I promise you, if you stick with this, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. It's like the fountain of youth. And I, it took about seven months. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I do, I feel 15 years younger. This is unbelievable, <laughs> but, but yeah. you know, it's, it's so good for injury prevention too. Like since I started that, I haven't hurt my back again. And right. since I started that, I haven't had any injuries really. And it's rehabbed. Like I had like a nagging kind of shoulder thing and 
he's got some shoulder stretches, but I don't think it's just necessarily his program that is so um, important. It's finding a program and sticking with it. Right. Of course. And then maybe, maybe you can start to high grade it later as you've, as you've gotten the discipline to stick with it. But at first you just got to find something. And most people, most people don't like the stretching is, is the least kind of sexy thing. Like, lifting yeah. weights and running and all that stuff. That's mm-hmm. way cooler. And you can get it done in 30 minutes. The thing about the, That's right. the, the stretching is it takes, it takes a long time. Like, yeah, it really that's my does. first 30 minutes every day. So does it, yeah. what do you do? Um, I get up at five 30 every morning. Um, I'm in the gym. I have a gym downstairs and I just go to the gym and I stretch for half an hour and then do whatever workout I'm going to do that day and try to get in a little cardio, do some boxing, do something that's, you know, uh, cardio related. And that's my workout for the morning. I'm usually done by seven, seven fifteen. What kind of stretching are you doing? Do you have a specific routine that you're doing or do you just kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a combination of yoga and, um, and you know, the, um, have you seen the primal primal flows? No. I mean, um, maybe it's also, I don't know. it's also called animal flows. Okay. And it's, and it's kind of a, a men's version of yoga. Yeah. Uh, kind of, it's got cool names. Yeah. Uh, uh, they make it cool. Like they've got, uh, positions called the ape and the beast and, and that sort of thing. And, um, I kind of got turned on to it just on YouTube, just, uh, going through the different fitness things. And I do that every day. Every day I do a routine, a flow that they call, um, and, and you just do a a couple of routines of that a day and, and it just keeps you, it's, it's strength and flexibility. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's obviously working for your tennis. When you look back on your, on your career, did you, did you pay much attention to, to fitness when you're guiding at your highest level? Always. You did? Always. Yeah. And what would you do? You always worked out. Like I, I remember you used to tell me that you and Rob used to work out, right? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And and he's the one that got me on the five thirty regimen, you know, it just, uh, uh, he started the early stuff and, and now sometimes we get up as early as four 30, you know, if we, if we got a fishing day that day, we don't let it bother us. It's like, okay, we're going, we're going fishing, but we're going to work out first. Now, why do you, why did, why does that happen for you? I have an idea why it happens, but I'm, I'm serving you up a softball. Why do you, why do you get up at four 30 with Rob and work out? Because always something comes up in the afternoon. <laughs> exactly. Never. There's never a day that something doesn't come up. Um, these days, it's I got to show a house, or I have you know some something to do, or your guy just wants to sit around and have a drink, mm-hmm. you know after after fishing, and and so in order to have that drink, I already worked out this morning, you know, so I'm good. Um, I'm done. I'm done with that for the day. And it keeps you moving. You know, if you know, you're going to do it every day, I do it seven days a week. I don't take days off. So it just, you know, you're going to do it. You go do it. That's it. And you did that throughout your whole career. Did I, I didn't do the early thing throughout throughout my career. I did the the afternoon thing about three to four days a week. Yeah. And talk about discipline. We were talking about this the other day. I think, um, the discipline to get off the water in August <laughs> and <Yeah>. and <laughs> get off the water and put on the running shoes and then go run on the hot freaking pavement 
after you'd been fishing on the surface of the sun all day, that is discipline like mm-hmm. rarely is exercised in my life because yep. it's, if you walk into that air conditioning, you can totally forget about it. You can't do it. There is no getting out of it. It is like you can't sit down. Oh my God. I was saying I was I was talking to Richard Black, actually. He's a runner, you know, and he likes to he likes to run and and I would say that I was I used to keep my running shoes in the car. Okay, and I would pull up to the house, put the running shoes on, and go running before I ever even went in the house. Because if I went in that house, all the clothes were coming off, and I was going to lay on the on the right. on the tile floor. Like, and in it's the, over. Oh, it's over. You're not oh. moving no, ever. No. But that's not why I like the morning better. It was cooler. You're fresh. But then it's over. You're just done with it, yep. right? Like yep. you got to, but to to get out of the sun and then go back into the sun is, whoo, yeah. you're a tough man if you could do that. Super tough. That's what I'm doing now with the tennis. You know, uh, after fishing, I'm headed out to the courts usually three to four days a week. So um, just to get some training in. Now, if you weren't, if you hadn't um, gotten into the tournaments right, for tennis, Right. Do you think that you would be able to have that kind of discipline or is it because no. you have a goal now? Like you have some goals that you want to. Absolutely. Uh, the only way, the only way you got to, you know, how else can you set a goal? Right. I mean, for me, it's competition. So, you know, it's, it's either competition against yourself or uh, something else, but it's the competition that does it. You yeah. know, you get out there and you get your ass beat one, one time and you're like, okay, well, I got to get better. You know, I got to, Got to stick with it. It's going to get better. And it does. Is the process of getting better at tennis at, at your age now, is it, do you find any similarities to getting better at fishing or tournament fishing or guiding or, or any aspect of that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Except that, except that in the fishing, I never had a coach. Okay. So now I've got a coach that is taking me to the next level Hmm. stuff. I've never learned about the game, about training, about mental, mainly mental. I'm interested in that. What is he teaching you? Oh man. Oh, so many things about, um, about thinking about the moment being in the present, um, and, and thinking about, uh, how your shot is going to affect the future. And I mean, we, we have these Zen talks all the time. He's, he was the number one player in Thailand when he was 30, um, and moved to this country and became a tennis coach. And, uh, he's done really well and he's 72 right now and he can kick anybody's butt. I mean, he is uh, one of those skinny wiry dudes that just knows the game and knows everything so well um and and has the mental down and that's and that's a big part of every sport it is it's such a big part of every sport because once you get to a certain level everybody can do it like you're talking Mm -hmm. about the gold cup like or 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 Mm -hmm. any of the tarpon tournaments or any of the any of the tournaments not not every angler at these tournaments is going to be able to do it not every team at there is going to be able to do it but there's going to be 10 at every tournament or five or whatever there's going to be the teams right and you don't even maybe there's 30 boats in the tournament but you know there's five boats you're competing with right and any one of those boats can do it on any day that's right and so much and just like nba basketball or or mma or tennis there's 
anybody can win. They've got the skills to win or they wouldn't be there. Now right. it's in, now it's mental. And, and yep. that mental yep. aspect, the older I get, the more fascinated I am. And really mm-hmm. this podcast was kind of born out of that. Like, I want to know what people are thinking and how they're huh. thinking and how yeah. the, how a, just a slight tweak in the way that you're thinking can have a massive difference on your, on your performance. And certainly yes. over time, like you always hear about the, you always hear about the two boats that leave the harbor and they're one degree apart. Right. And they keep going and, and they, they, next thing you know, they're, they're, they're 300 miles apart. Right. Because of that one right. degree and you're going along next to these, this person, I always think, you know, not necessarily in competing with other people, but in competing with myself, it's like, if I could just move myself a half a degree towards the positive or towards whatever it is that I'm, I'm striving for right over time that makes such an incredible difference yeah and what about being able to make a decision in a tournament without any repercussions you know with with just making a decision and and if you go there and there's nothing you're cool with that you know you're Mm -hmm. not getting upset about it you're not like going oh man not panicking and saying well i gotta find more fish the next time no it's just a decision Right. And then you, you put it away. It's done. Well, that's now, when that goes away. back to, that goes back to our conversation of how the angler and the guide are this perfect mix. And the angler yeah. is on board too. And the angler is like, look, if we go there, we might mm-hmm. knock it out of the park. And if we <laughs> go there and there's nothing, Hey, we swung for the that's fence. Right. That's know right. it. That's right? right. That's right. Or that's we can right. play it safe and we can go to this mm-hmm. other middle ground and catch what everybody else is catching. Right. And you might win by a half a point or, or 10 points, but right. which, which one are we, are we swinging for the fence? Or are we playing it safe? That's and, right. That's you know, right. that's what it, that's, that's so much of, if that can apply to so many things in that can apply to your tennis. I mean, a hundred percent, you can play oh, yeah. it safe in tennis and, oh, absolutely. and lose bad. Oh yeah. And then absolutely. you can swing for the fence. And you know, yeah. either it's all or nothing, you know, yeah, I loved, yeah. I loved Andre Agassi's book. Have you read that? I haven't read that. It is. I will now. It is so good. And it, he just, I don't know. You'll, you'll truly appreciate it now because he, he, um, he struggled with injuries and he would, it would take him forever to get out of bed in the morning and he would get going. And then he was playing, operating at a, at a, at an, at the elite level of his entire career when his body was broken the most. Wow. And it was, a, it was a mental thing. Like he, he just was, he wanted to be there. It, I, I'm not doing the book justice. There are so many stories in there and so many oh, interesting things, but that is, I'm not even a tennis player, but the right. way he describes tennis as being this, the loneliest sport in the world <laughs> that it's it's just you out there and even different than wrestling and 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 tennis and I mean even different than wrestling and MMA and other individual sports tennis is even more lonely because like at certain points and I don't know about all tennis but there are certain points where the crowd is not allowed you're not allowed to get coaching you're not allowed your parents the right. parents aren't allowed to to right. even say you know do this do that like but they can yeah. in every other sport 
And so, you know, you don't know, like there's just a little, these little, these little claps and then, then it goes quiet. Right. And he was just talking about how lonely this, the sport is. And he, he has a whole chapter of that, that I just, I had never thought about that, about that particular sport being, being described as being lonely. And then it's kind of like, you know, being a fishing guide in those tournament situations can be kind of lonely too, especially if you, if you're not in in sync with your angler. And then it's like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And there's going to be almost no reward if we do great, because this guy's expecting to do great, but he has no idea how badly this could go. <laughs> you, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I yeah. love the, I love the mental aspect and, um, yeah, well, like you said, you're not a tennis player, but you got something out of that book. Um, and, and there's a book, uh, inner, the inner game of tennis, which has been used, uh, in all the sports, um, in fact, Tom Brady's a big proponent of it. And, and you'll see his focus on, at the football games where, you know, when the defense is playing, Tom Brady is on the sideline and he's, he's thinking about his next four plays mm-hmm. and, and he's, he's visualizing and, and going there with that. And that helps almost in everything in life. For sure. You know, just, um, just that whole mental aspect. And he's one of them. And there's many famous coaches that, um, have read this book and have gone by it. And I go by it. It's, it's, it's the best, uh, the best reading I've ever done for, for the mental game. Yeah. I love that, sure. man. I, I love yeah. that, that it's, it's, I don't know, the more I get into it, the more I get into it. It's like, I don't, I've just had several things that have happened because I've paid attention to that and several books that I've read over time that have, have put me on this different path of, of thinking and the results are massive. And, and I just look back and think, man, I wish I had known that earlier, but yes, I didn't. And that's fine. You get to, you get to a point in your life where, um, where you know that physically you're not going to get much better if, if you're training all the time and you kind of realize that, okay, this is about as good as I'm going to get, you know, at this age physically, but mentally you can always change and you can always get better. So it really helps that way. That's what they say about, um, like MMA is like, or or any sport really I've heard Mm -hmm. is like, you take a, you take a, an old man's mind in a young man's body would be a very dangerous combination, (laughs) right? Because the older, the older athlete has learned all these lessons and, but but their body starts to fail them. And it's like, it's almost like greatness in athletics is, is a combination of learning lessons fast enough to where that you can apply them to the young body, right? Yes. Like you have yes. enough wisdom, you have good coaches around you, or for some reason you've learned some things earlier than the, than the other people. So you're applying wisdom to a young man's body with no injuries and operating at your peak where a lot of people can still be very, very successful at an older age, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's the mind overcoming the body, right? Like they have the injuries, they have these things. They're just working around them with this knowledge that they have. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's pretty awesome, man. I think that is. I love it. Um, have you ever have you read other books that um, on mindset and things? So many, so many. What are, I, what are I, one or two of your favorites? Uh, 
Well, one of them that, that comes to mind, you know, uh, Novak uh, Djokovic, a uh, tennis player, uh, wrote, wrote a book on his life. And, and that was pretty impressive of how he overcame a lot of things. And, um, you know, diet wise, um, I'm now plant-based and, and he, he went plant-based and, uh, all that, uh, the, the chemistry that went on there, you know, with his body and what happened and that made him stronger and, um, wiser, sharper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so I kind of learned a lot from, from his book and, and just a lot of motivational books and, you know, mindset books. And, um, and I can't think of any others that come to mind right away, but, um, well, it's obviously the, working because you're able to apply it to, to a sport like tennis. And I know that that is, I mean, you're going to have the skills and then it's going to come down to, I mean, the people right. that you're playing against in like that 18 and over, like everybody's got the skills. Everybody's yeah. got the skills. Yeah. Then, yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. about game management and, and mental, mental right. toughness, really. And, yeah, and tennis yeah. is a great, great sport for that. Um, all right. Well, we're coming to a, coming to a close. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really appreciate you being on. Um, if Pleasure. you have... Um, I've been asking this question to some people and getting some interesting responses. There are non-negotiables in life, things that you're going to wake up today and you're going to get done or you're never going to do. Those are non-negotiables where before your head hits the pillow tonight, you've gotten them done or you made sure that you did not get, you did not do that, right? What are your non-negotiables in life? Do you have two or three? Um, yeah. Um, well, the working out thing for sure. Uh, non-negotiable. Got to work out every day. Got to keep your body moving. Got to make sure that you know, it'll move the next day. Um, and that's important. Uh, number one thing is saying good night to my daughter every night. Um, no matter where she is, we always say good night one way or another. So that's number one, no, non-negotiable. Um, third one, uh, being in touch with the outdoors is, is my third one. No matter what I'm doing, I'm outside. So I'm rarely inside. I'm inside at the gym. That's about it. And then besides that, I'm outside, whether it's uh, surfing or um, it, everything goes back to the water, you know, um, fishing wise, it's always there. It, you know, so, sometimes we don't mention the fishing thing as much because we know we're doing that. Yeah. You know, everything else is, is a sideline to that, but, um, but definitely um, something having to do with the water. Those are my three. Nice. I love it. I love it. Paul, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what would they do? Um, they can call me. Yeah. Uh, or they or text me. They want to uh, buy a house. <laughs> Wait, what's your phone number? You're going to leave it out there? I don't know. Uh, uh, I should I? Yeah, sure. Why not? You don't have any like crazy people out there. There's tons of crazy people out there. Most of them <laughs> listen to this show. <laughs> I don't know. If you want to find Paul Tahara, he's easy they, to find. They you. can they can find me on Instagram and they can DM me. How's that? Right on. There you go. That's awesome, yeah. man. Well, it's been awesome to catch up with you. I'm so happy for you to uh, yeah. to be experiencing this uh, this tennis success later later in life after 30 years of of being off the court. That's pretty awesome, man. That really is. Thank you, you know. It Thank really is. It's, and it's, Thank it's just cool to see that, that you can make that happen at any time. You just got to get back on it and do it. 
right? Yeah, no. Well, I got I got a lot of great things to say about you too, and we don't have enough time. But <laughs> um, there's uh, but but I I love the fitness part, and I love all the things. Even way back when I first saw your first, I think it was your first one. And it was your hundred burpees. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of your, one of your first videos. Right. Um, and, and I saw that when I was like, damn, he's into this. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I think I, like I know that the thing that you, that you're talking about, I think it was 300 burpees and it was just oh, me and this other dude burpees. doing, doing burpees in the garage. And that was back when YouTube was easy because yes. that video got like, I don't know, 600,000 views. And I never yeah. did a single thing. Nothing, nothing. I just put it, I just did it, threw it up there. And I look at it one day and I'm like, who wants to watch, what 600,000 people want to watch somebody do the same thing 300 times? I was one of those. I watched it a couple of times for sure. You know, I mean, seriously though, but now today, now YouTube has changed, man. You can, you can go out there with a Hollywood movie crew and you're not going to, it's tough to get 600,000 views, but back in the day, it was easy, man. You'd put anything up there. You could iron your shirt and, and there'd be 600,000 views. You could do change, do anything, but uh, yeah, man. Well, awesome catching up with you paul and um thanks again for being on the show and and we'll stay in touch my pleasure man good talking to you